Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the creation story in the book of Genesis. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, I'm going to start this one off with a little reminder that Mm -hmm. we've done a previous podcast about the Bible itself. And the view of the ELCA is that it is a book of faith, correct? Mm -hmm. Not a book of science Mm -hmm. or a book of history. Right. That matters because we will be talking about the creation stories. So there are denominations that believe in the literal creation story that God created the world in six literal 24-hour days. Yep. So what plays into that is then this conversation of what do ELCA Lutherans believe about this? We do believe that God created our world. We do not necessarily believe that it happened within 24 hours, seven days. We leave space that evolution could well have been a part of the way that God created this world. Okay. And we leave room and openness for the way that we interact and understand with these stories. The ELCA does not prescribe to a 24-hour equals one day equals seven days equals creation point of view. Okay. We have a more open and expansive way that we look at it. So it's not a creationist view and it is not strictly creationist versus evolution. Right. There's room for things, science interpretations and everything. Both and. Okay. Both and. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Now, that said, the other reason we're talking about the creation stories in Genesis is because they're going to be used in Central's worship services in the next couple of weeks for their creation tide. Yes. So every year, Central Lutheran does what is called a creation tide series. And where we focus on care for creation and our creation in our learning hours and in our worship services. So our learning hours, we'll kick off talking about activism as a form of mysticism. We're going to have a young activist who has been working on climate change issues and climate crisis issues for a third of his life. Wow. I believe that he's in his teens and is one of the many youth who have taken on this climate crisis as something that they are passionate about, knowing that they will be facing the impacts of it. Absolutely. And so we'll have one of those young individuals who will be a part of our learning hour. Be pretty exciting. Yeah. We will have animals come to worship with us for our annual Blessing of the Animals Sunday. Sure. And throughout all of this, our worship committee has really gotten excited about diving back into this season of Creation Tide and really developing the whole worship service around this concept. And so we are going to go off of lectionary. Mm -hmm, Which is unusual for this congregation. It's unusual for me as a pastor. I don't normally do this, but we're going to go off of lectionary and we are going to use Genesis 1 and the story of creation as kind of our frame for the whole season. And our learning hours, there will be four learning hours focused on Creation Tide. There will actually end up being six Sundays okay. focused on Creation Tide. Six days of creation and one day of rest. We're going to go from there. Nice. Yeah, it'll be really good. Okay, so you're talking the Genesis story. And there are actually two creation stories in Genesis, correct? Correct, there are. So what are they and how do they differ? Well, you'll find them in chapter one and chapter two of Genesis. And just 
as a favorite video of mine says, Genesis means beginning. Mm -hmm. And you can find the book at the front of the Bible because to find it anywhere else would be rather confusing. That's correct. And we will link to that video for those (laughs) who are interested. It's from Jelly Telly and it's fantastic. So the first two chapters of our scripture, and this is from the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, some folks call that. We hear the stories of creation. The first chapter does the day-by-day story that lots of folks really are very familiar with. In the beginning, God wanted there to be light and said, let there be light. And there was light and it was good. And thus ended the first day. So that story is Genesis 1. Genesis 2 is shorter. The creation story in Genesis 2 is shorter kind of swifter, doesn't do the day-by-day conversation, okay, but still includes kind of that whole concept of God creating the world and everything in it. Okay, then they sound pretty similar. How are they different? That's a good question. They're different in kind of what they focus on. Okay. So Genesis 1 focuses on day-by-day, what is created each individual day, and assigns and talks about each day and what was created on that day, and God calling it tove or good. It's a beautiful part of it that God calls everything that God creates good. Okay. There's no oops. There's no oops. There's no like, oh, well, that was all right. But everything that has been created, God looks at it at the end of the day and says, that is good. And the Hebrew word tove means more than just swell or excellent. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like shalom, where shalom means more than an absence of violence. Right. Shalom means peace in the sense of things are right and things are good and things are whole and well. And it's more than just an absence of violence. It's a presence of wholeness, maybe. Okay. There's a lot more to shalom than just the word It's a deeper, richer meaning. Exactly. So tov is the same, that it's not just saying that something is a positive thing or looks good or any of that. It's a wholeness, that this is good, it is right, it is full. It is of God. So that is one of the beautiful parts of the first creation story. So, for example, let's take a look at the uh, second day. This is starting at chapter 1, verse 6. And this is the NRSV. God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day, right? So it's this beautiful thing. And then God goes on to move the waters into one area and let dry land appear. And you hear verse 12, the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. Okay. So... The rhythm of Genesis 1 really goes through and talks about all the things that happened on the day, and God saw that it was good, and there was morning, and there was evening, and that was the day. And it's a beautiful rhythm and a beautiful piece. Each of the days, then, has a different thing that gets created on it. Mm -hmm. And on day six, of course, humankind is created, and... God then says to humankind, be fruitful and multiply, have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. 
raise beautiful plants, do all these things. And then on verse 31, God saw everything that was made and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So the first creation story really has this rhythm and this telling capacity that is beautiful. Well, it reminds me a lot of how they used to talk about Homer and the Odyssey and the Iliad being spoken first and Mm. then written down in terms of the it was good being a reminder and a refrain to help you remember the pace of it Mm -hmm. and how it was verbal before it was written. Yeah, absolutely. Those kinds of tips for any orators or public speakers out there, you'll pick up to have that kind of a refrain. And there was morning and there was evening, the fifth day, right? That kind of refrain really helps to remember a story. For some reason, we like that Mm -hmm. as human beings. It echoes in us and helps us to hold a story. Sure. And this is one of the great ancient stories. So then the beginning of chapter two is actually the seventh day, which is the day that God rests. And verse three of chapter two says, so God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it God rested from all the work that was done in creation. And that's the end of the first creation story. Okay. And then chapter two starts with verse four B with another account of creation. Any reason why? I'm sure scholars would have lots of explanations as to why. Okay. I'll be honest that I don't have that off the tip of my tongue. But I think for as many communities as there are, there are creation stories. Sure. And the way that the world was created. And this part of the creation story doesn't have quite the same rhythm to it. This isn't the poetic version. This is more of like the prose version. So if chapter one kind of has that poetry and the rhythm of the morning and the evening, and it was good, that kind of stuff, this is much more prose. So this is when we hear the story of a stream rising from the earth and God forming man from dust of the ground, and he breathes into the nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put man whom he had formed. It's much more the prose version, the storytelling version of how humankind was created within this garden. And while we had God creates the male and female Mm -hmm. in Genesis 1, in Genesis 2 comes the story of humankind. This is the rib one? Yep. Exactly. This is where the rib one comes in, that Eve was created from Adam's rib. And so people will talk about Lilith Mm -hmm. as being the first created woman and People say that Lilith was the woman created in Genesis 1 and Eve was the woman created in Genesis 2. Fascinating. And chapter 2's creation story is where we get the Garden of Eden and the apple and the snake and all of that part of our story. So I'm fascinated and you may not be able to answer this, Uh but it's like you get the giant overview day by day, big swath of the wonderful things that God has created. And chapter two is, here's some specifics on what I did with the earth on that one day and with the humans, not necessarily. Kind of. I mean, I think when I look at it and people can absolutely disagree with me 100%, but if I really think of it as chapter one is this poetry style, big picture overarching Mm -hmm. Um, Because when you're starting with let there be light. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe if I think of it as like telling a child their story. Okay. Right? So God created everything in this entire world. God made the sun and the moon and the stars, and God made the trees and the cicadas and mm-hmm. all of that. And God made you. You were created when your parents decided that they wanted to raise someone that they loved very much. And then going into the creation story of the individual rather than the creation story of everything. Mm -hmm. And so we go from the creation story of everything to the creation story of humanity in some ways. Oh, man. And people love to talk about that apple and the snake. are obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we always want to find blame for why things are bad. We can do another podcast on that if you want to do a podcast on the apple and the Garden of Eden and all of that. There's so much fodder for conversation. And that's the thing is the difference between like abstract poetry versus narrative storyline. Sure. And the chapter two creation is much more narrative storyline than the poetry that comes in chapter one. I'm assuming the creation tide is going to focus on the poetry. It is. Okay. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. I'm also fascinated that... People tend to pull a mix of the two. Often when you have a couple of different versions of things in the Bible, they'll fixate on one and conveniently forget the other one is there. Right. Or they'll just mash them together in like early version mashup kind of stuff. So you get, you know, our Gospels where there's the whole Holy Week service where there's the seven last words of Christ and it's like gospel mashup. They like pull one last line from Luke and a last line from Mark and a last line from John. I'm still confused of who has what opening and who has what ending. Exactly. I'll never keep it straight. We just throw them all together and we don't delineate which is which. And... I think that we do that often to our creation stories. Sure. Plenty of folks don't even know that there are two creation stories. They just assume it's one giant thing. Exactly. But they are two separate stories that complement one another and have very different feels to them. Okay. Getting back to the one about the days Mm -hmm. and the day of rest. Mm, Yes. Is this where the commandment comes from about the Sabbath? So the commandments come out of Exodus, which is the next book in the Bible. So Genesis means beginning and where the story starts. Exodus means the exit. So it's the story of the exit out of Egypt. And our commandments come from Exodus. But the beginning of the Sabbath, this idea of resting and taking a day of rest, really is a part enough of the Hebrew culture. It is a part of that creation story. Okay. That even God, after working for six days, took a rest. That there's something about seven, which is a number of completion and holiness and fullness, that on that seventh day, at that time of completion and fullness, you rest. And that goes on into later cultural expectation that on the seventh year, a field would lie fallow. Mm. And that's where you get your seven-year sabbaticals. Your seven-year sabbaticals. You get uh, Jubilee that happens, I think it's after 70 years, that there's Jubilee, that all debts are forgiven. Huh. And all land goes back to its original owner, and you start over. You stop the kind of punitive holding over a family or holding over a culture. And so this idea of Jubilee... Is pretty outstanding. And heavens, what a difference it would make in our world if we would practice it. Sure. 
right? To actually have true forgiveness. Yeah. And Sabbath rest was really about letting everything rest, letting the animals rest, letting the humans rest, letting the land rest, letting everything just be for a day or be for some time without having to produce and having to create and having to be useful, but simply to be. Something that is absolutely counter to capitalism and everything that we have going on in North America at this time. absolutely. We touched on that with our vacation podcast not long ago. Exactly. Yeah. So where the commandment for Sabbath doesn't come from Genesis, this whole creation of a day of rest did happen here in this passage. Excellent. And is modeled by the creator. Who took time themselves. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is going to bring me to my last question. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite either to hear or to preach upon? Mm, That's a great question. I think I really like the first, the Genesis one, to teach from. Genesis 2 has so much cultural baggage. Oh, yes, it does. There's just so much that we deal with the serpent and the apple and the, like all of that stuff just gets really hard to preach well in sure. the midst or to teach well in the midst of all the baggage. If we can admit to and acknowledge the baggage first, then there's a whole lot of really awesome stuff that's in there. Okay. But in general, I find it easier to preach and teach on the first version. And my most fun days with this is Holy Saturday. Okay. So the first creation story is one of the stories that is set to be read during the Easter vigil. So in the day between when Jesus has died and before Jesus has risen, in that vigil day when you gather together, like when someone that you love has died, Uh and you gather together and you tell their story, Uh do you remember when they did this? And do you remember this part of them? And do you remember when they came into the world? And we gather on Holy Saturday and we do that. We tell our story. This is how we began. And these are the great people who came and... And we tell those stories to each other in those hours where we're keeping vigil before Jesus comes back to life on Sunday. So it comes up every year in the lectionary in that instance. It does. It absolutely does. And we have a lot of fun with Holy Saturday here in this congregation. And throughout my ministry, I've always done it this way, where Holy Saturday is a day for the kids Uh because they can't make it to worship Thursday or Friday night because they go to bed before services start. They certainly should. And the traditional vigil, they should also be in bed before they get there. But I want a day where the kids get the stories so they aren't going from the parade on Palm Sunday to the parade on Easter. I want them to hear the stories. Okay. And so we have this day on Saturday where then we tell the stories. And the creation story is one of my most favorite to do with them because what we can do is we can have props and we can be animals. And, oh, nice. And we go through each day, like, okay, on the first day, God created the sun. If you were the sun, what would you look like? And if we have costumes or props or how would you sparkle or all that kind of stuff. And the kids get to play with that. And then what kind of beasts of the air would you be? And what kind of beasts of the land would you be? If you were a plant, what would you look like? All with the consistent then refrain of... And And God saw that it was, and all the little kids, I just have a decade of annual kids yelling, good, and recognizing that everything that God has made, including themselves, is deeply and inherently good. Oh, that's wonderful. And so 
I would say that's my favorite. I love doing that. It's a great time. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the creation stories. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening in. You are very welcome to come and join us for our Creation Tide series. It will kick off on September 15th and run for the following six weeks. If you want to bring your pet for an annual blessing of the animals, please feel free to join us the first Sunday in October. And if you're not listening to this in 2019, don't worry. The first Sunday of October every year is when we welcome animals into our midst for a blessing. So mark it on your calendar and come to join us. You can learn more about all of this and more at centralportland.org. And if you'd like to reach out to us and ask your questions, feel free to do so at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.